Sweet sounds. Bless you all. Bless you all this morning. Good to see you today. You all look great. I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit. Great to be with you today. Super to be with you. You know, we've been teaching the book of Hebrews now for almost a year. Uh, September 17th, we started the series, uh, 13 chapters, 28 weeks. If you think that's a bunch, uh, I'm reminded about my mentor, Pastor Jimmy Johnson, that he spent two and a half years in the book of Hebrews, 120 sermons. Yeah. So I think about that, and I'm reminded of, you know, Moses leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. God miraculously provided them manna from heaven, and after so many days of the same food every day, they started to grumble, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking about Pastor Jimmy, 120 sermons, you know. Uh, yeah, two and a half years. I can, I, I, in fact, I remember people saying, Hebrews again? <laughs> yeah, well, good news, we, we're going to, uh, well, actually, uh, there was one verse that compelled me. Uh, and next week, I want to come back to that verse on Labor Day. But otherwise, we're going to wrap up the book of Hebrews Today. Now, Hebrews is so true and so valid. Uh, last week, there were some protesters here that, um, that really want a voice in the church, and, and it just fits so perfectly with those who come church to church trying to impose law. And uh, one of my jobs as a shepherd is to teach the word in order to equip you to be ready for these things. And, and uh, these folks don't like it when I use the name God and don't like it when I use the name Jesus. They want me to use the word Yah. And they want me to use the word Yeshua. And what really set them off last week was when I read in Scripture that uh, beware of those <laughs> that want to impose regulations on types of food. And uh, oh my goodness, uh, you know, I got a mean scathing email just pretty long uh, saying I totally denied the law and rejected everything related to food diets. These people hate the King James Version of the Bible. I've got another guy online who's saying all kinds of mean things against me because I don't uh, strictly use the King James. And I'm just thinking to myself, why can't I get these two groups together and let them talk about things? (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm going to do my best to talk about the Word of God. Talk about the Word of God. Yeah. So, um, yes. So here we are this morning. Um, so uh, I think the, the book of Hebrews is, is really summed up beautifully in two verses of the Bible, verses 20 and, and 21. It's actually in the form of a benediction, benediction, okay? Uh, bene always means good, okay? And, and diction, think about dictation, okay? So it's a good it's, it's a good blessing. If you don't know what that's all about, that's what it's all about. We like to start somewhere in our services with a, a type of invocation. Pardon me if you don't know these words, but, but the scripture says, God is the source of everything good, and we want to make sure that we're affirming his presence. I like to say that because I like to pray in faith. I mean, so often we're saying, uh, Lord, would you come? And I'd rather start from the premise of God is here, right? And, and so we want to acknowledge his presence and we want our service time uh, to be saturated with his goodness. You know, I'm always drawn to First John that every 
good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And if you want to know why, why the world's such a mess, folks, it's because God is good and God, we've been separated from Him. And if we're separated from God, we're separated from good. And we're a mess. We're a mess. Yeah. And so we, we want our services to be saturated. So we do this. We, we like, I like to send you out with blessing. I, I love blessing you. If you've been coming here, some of you would just appreciate that, that, that blessing. I, I was praying one day, and I was like, Lord, what can I give your people? And, and I felt like he spoke to my spirit and said, give them my blessing. <laughs> and so I love to take time and to send you out because blessing coming in, blessing going out, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's good. It's good. I've got a song going through my mind right now. Blessing coming in, blessing going out. Yeah, I can't get the rest of it, but it's, it's there. I'm, I'm full of songs. Blessing, blessing, bless. God's blessing. We need him. That, that this, the foolishness of me standing before you, sharing, you know, and the great dependence on him, let it be all about all about him and his, his goodness. So, um, as I said, the benediction is in these two verses. But there are a couple of things, because I like to teach the whole text, and I really trust God to lead me in this. But there are a couple of things, other than this benediction, that I want to point out to you first, okay? The first one comes before this benediction, and the second one comes after the benediction, okay? So, if, let's start off in verse 18. And I want you to notice there how the author asks the reader... For personal prayer. He says, pray for us, right? And, and, and what he's asking prayer concerning is, is as they proclaim the gospel, they want to make sure that their consciences are clear. See that? And they want to make sure that their lives are living up to the message. In other words, that they're honorable. And then he asks selfishly, would you also pray that I might have the opportunity to come and visit you? Okay? Um, now, think about this for just a moment. Let's imagine that Hebrews really was written by the Apostle Paul. And, and there's good reason to believe that, that he wrote this. One is in verse 20 where the statement is used, the God of peace. Paul loves that statement. He's the only one connected with those words, God of peace. So if it is the Apostle Paul, and if he comes to the end of this letter putting a priority on his need for prayer, personal prayer, then what should that say about you and me? And so just stop and consider, when was the last time you asked for prayer for anything? When was the last time you asked for prayer? And if the Apostle Paul needs prayer, then don't you and I need prayer as well? So I think the challenge right here is just take a moment and consider two things. First, what is it that you are needing honestly? Come on, just snap out of it. Wake up. And what is it that you're needing prayer concerning right now? And then the second question, who are those people that you can invite to pray for you? Okay, yeah. Now, um, let God speak that into your life. I just have to point out that we have that response card in the bulletin every week. And we've got a group of faithful prayers 
is that if you just let us know your request, they will pray for your need. And, and I'll tell you why they love to pray so much. It's, it's not a gossip thing, okay? They love to pray because they love to see answers to prayer. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I am so psyched right now that last night Arizona lost their baseball game and the Rockies won. I am so excited. We are tied for first place, okay? But I get much more excited when I see a sinner come to faith in Jesus Christ, and I get excited when I see answers to prayer. (laughs) God, you guys are so boring today. I could... (laughs) Yeah, are you going to help me out today, or is this going to be like one of those, oh my goodness, here we go again. I was raised in a dull religious system, and I do not want to bore people, okay? So if you're going to sit on your hands this morning, then we might as well say the benediction now and go home, all right? So what will it be, okay? <laughs> you ready to proceed? We, yeah, yeah. Let's give praise to God, can't we? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so that takes us to that second thing that I was talking about. First, we pray. Uh, wait, that, that wasn't. If, let's be bold to ask for prayer. That was the first thing. The second thing in verse 23, I want you to notice he celebrates an answer to prayer. Apparently, Timothy had suffered some jail time for the gospel. He's now released And he's now on his way to visit the very people that Paul is writing to. And Paul is hoping that he'll be able to join him in the visit. Okay, that's good news. And the point is, we don't pray just to go through the motions of prayer. We pray expecting. We pray expecting. I like to think about it as being pregnant with a miracle. We're looking to give birth. And the only way we're going to be able to celebrate miracles is to be sure we're faithful in giving our concerns to God. It reminds me of a, a three-year, three-year-old girl who, who got an owie, and she cried out to mom, Mom, please ask Jesus to take it away. And so her mom grabbed her up in her arms and, and prayed for her little girl, and, and no sooner did she say amen and lift her head, the little girl was right there asking, so what did he say? Yeah, that's expectation, right? We pray not because it's a nice thing to do. It's not a genie in the bottle that we hope to find, you know. Rub it and and maybe you'll get three wishes. And I know most of us here have probably thought about what our three wishes would be, right? Mine would be unlimited wishes. Yeah, that's miracle number one. Yeah, it's not winning the lottery. Better buy a ticket because who knows? We just might get lucky. No, we pray because we know who God is. We pray expecting. We pray expecting God to respond. We need prayer because we need to see God work. We need to pray so we have these victories to celebrate. We need to pray so God will be glorified. When we pray, we are blessed. And when we pray, God is seen for who he really is. Praise God. Praise God. Let's give him glory, can we? Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. So you're beginning to wake up. That's, that's a cool thing. I should have known because the tuner on my bass would not wake up today. And it must have been a sign from God that this group was going to take a while to wake up this morning. Okay, your eyes look terrific and it's, it's great. It's great to share this time with you. Okay, so those two things now. The, the boldness to ask for prayer, and we pray expecting, 
right? Those are on both ends of this benediction that we're going to see this morning. And, and I know how our brains work. Some of us are going to write this off saying, well, that was written for them. No, it's written for us. It's an anointed word, right? It's Holy Spirit breathed. And God needs to cause revelation to come alive in our souls. So we pick it up now in verse 20. Here's the benediction. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing through him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory. Notice the separation of the words here. It's intentional. For, ever, and ever. It's because the better translation is age upon age upon age upon age. So it's not a mistake that you see those words separated right there. And as I said, it's a great summary of where we've been. So right away... Do you see the word great in the passage, referring to Jesus as the great shepherd? He is greater than. That's been a general theme of of our, our time in the book of Hebrews, greater than. Then in verse 21, it begins with this business of being equipped for every good work for doing his will. And a second major theme of this study has been about you and me running well. Life is a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We are in a race. It's about us running our lives right up to the end. It's about us running right up until the day we stand in Jesus' presence. So that's the second major theme. And then the third one, verse 21 adds with the word in, Jesus working in us, okay? He started a work in us, and he will see that work through completion, but he's working in us in order for some things to come from us. Okay, so there's our, where we want to go today. So uh, here we are. You ready to do this? Are you sure? You ready to do this? Okay, good deal. Thanks, you guys, that the two who are excited this morning. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so this business, Jesus is, is greater than. An expression we've seen throughout the series. It's been the major t- um, title of the series. We've had symbols on the platform uh, that are based on math symbols, greater than, less than, equal to. Jesus Christ is equal to God the Father. That might be a first for somebody. Jesus Christ, equal to God the Father. That's what separates the faith from the false teachers. Jesus Christ, equal to the Father. You and me, less than Jesus. Jesus Christ, greater than any religious system. Jesus Jesus Christ, he's greater than law. He's greater than any requirement. He's greater than any expectation, even those imposed on you from good church folks, greater than all that stuff. And though he allowed himself to become less than the angels for a little while, Jesus Christ is greater than angels Here's another one that separates us from false teachers. He's greater than 
any prophet. Yes? Yes? He's our greater hope. He's a greater way of life. And he offers greater purpose for living. Has anybody discovered that for yourselves? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He is. Okay? So the prayer now calls him the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the great shepherd. And those who follow him are his sheep. The word great is there because he's great among the shepherds, meaning he is greater than any other shepherd. I want to be a sheep in his fold. Yeah, right? Now, notice the prayer is offered to the God of peace. It's the Greek form of the Hebrew word shalom, and it's a valuable, valuable word. What it's talking about? It's talking about your personal completion, completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment. It's about fulfillment in the things you do, whatever that is, right? And it's, in, it's fulfillment in the relationships that you're walking in. Father God alone is able to offer emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational wholeness, strength, and healing, and it's all wrapped up in the word shalom, right? How does he do it? He does it through Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. But it's not enough to know this. One of the all-time favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 says, the Lord is whose shepherd? My shepherd. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It says the Lord is, is my shepherd. And when you read that, you can't just say that's a nice thing. It's forcing the question, how do I see him? Is he simply a shepherd? Is he a great shepherd? Or is he my shepherd? Is he my great shepherd? Which would you like him to be? You were made to have the great shepherd in your life. Anything apart from that is less than what you were designed for. It's about getting to know him. Can you trust him to be the leader of your life? Can you trust him amidst all the craziness that's going on in the world, right? Worst fires in history. I think we should find California, the state with the, with the highest EPA standard for polluting all the rest of us with the smoke. I think we need to be responsible I think it's an irony myself, but can we trust him? And when we're trying to control everything ourselves and figure it out, oh my goodness, what a mess. We know from prophecy that the world's going to be destroyed by fire. We need God. We need to depend on God. Is he your shepherd? A famous atheist said, people who believe in God are people who are simply afraid of the dark. And, and, and let's concede the point. I mean, that might be true of many religious people, but that's not what Christ is all about. True Christians are those who have recognized that there's a difference between light, there's a difference between dark. We were created to do life in the light, but a separation 
has occurred. We desperately need God. I think a good illustration of it is too often I'll hear believers make the statement, well, God promised that he wouldn't give me more than I can handle. It's not what it says. What we understand is that doing life in a dark world, we will be given more than we can handle. And what we've come to realize is what it says is that together with him, we can face it all. And not just hang in there, right? We can do more than hang in there. We can thrive in the midst of it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is greater than anything this dark world throws at me. He's greater than, and I need him. I need him. I need him. Anybody need him? Yeah, Caitlin wants to give glory to God. Can we do that? Yeah. So I grew up in a, in a home that has a history of, of mental illness. Uh, there's actually a, a pattern, you know, when you find the, the scripture that says the sins of the fathers will follow their children up to the third generation. We have a pattern of issues. And I don't, I don't want to suggest or be overgeneralizing here, but, but it's an identifiable thing, and it's fascinating to me that uh, in the midst of a huge crisis with my beautiful older sister at the age of 18, my parents found themselves in a support group of people who had kids with uh, mental illness, and it's just fascinating to discover there are actual patterns in families of how mental illness shows itself, okay? And for our family, it actually goes back and forth, boy and girl, first child. It's, it's quite fascinating to me, but as a result of this, um, my family had a great deal of fear and a great deal of turmoil going on, and it was kind of an anxious house. But I had the privilege of experiencing a buddy's home. His home wasn't like mine. His home was a place of peace and safety. And, and not only was I drawn to his home, I, other young people uh, were, were felt safe there as well. And the primary difference, as best as I could tell, was my family had a form of religion, and their family understood what it meant to have a relationship with the living God. So my buddy's home was a place where Jesus was their personal great shepherd, and mine was a home where Jesus was a shepherd. And so the, here's the truth right here. Jesus Christ, greater than. Greater than any false system. Greater than all the fears this world's going to throw at you. Greater than all human effort. He's able to change circumstances. He's able to turn the tides. He's able to give grace in amidst situations. And just when you think the party's over, he moves in and he shows himself to be greater than it all. Yeah. The God I serve. Awesome. I'm loving seeing some of your faces. They're beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, uh, where am I here? Um, together with Him. Yeah, great shepherd. Second thing here. Uh, and, and again, we all need to make a decision. What are we going to do with the great shepherd? Is He my great shepherd? Okay, so the second thing is that you were made to run well. Okay, so now back to our prayer, verse 20. May our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, verse 21, equip, equip who? Who's that? Thank you, yeah. May he equip 
you, me, I, gotta, I have to put my name there, right? I, I don't get the benefit because I, I'm holding on to this thing, right? Uh, right there with you. Equip you with everything good for doing as well. Equip, it's, it's the Greek word, kartartizo. And, and it means to prepare for purpose. May he prepare you for your purpose. You were made on purpose. You're not a fluke of nature. Don't be deceived. You were made on purpose. You were made for purpose. And so this is about ministry. And this is about you, you being equipped. You, you. That's why these guys do what they do. These Gideons, you all look good there. Yeah, it's awesome. We're not going to wear suits and ties next week, but you all look great. Awesome. That's why they do what they do. They understand they have a place in the kingdom, okay? And we all need to understand that. It's not just a reserve few. It's the foolish things God uses to confound the wise. So uh, I've got a, a new friend in my life. It's been coming to church and really enjoying him. He's an engineer, okay? And the latter part of his career, he was sent to different places of the world to help companies restructure. In the restructuring process, he talks about how he was known as the man who carried a silver axe in one hand and a velvet glove in the other hand. I mean, just imagine restructuring. In restructuring a company, there are things that need to be cut away. There, there's those hard decisions that need to be made, right? The, the silver axe that had to be used on the job. But there were also those things that needed to be recognized, protected, right? Dealt with gently. And so he had the velvet glove on the other hand. But he said the toughest part of his job was working with the engineers. Now, keep in mind, he's an engineer. The toughest part of restructuring was working with the engineers. Who are the engineers? These are the guys with the highest level education, the highest level positions, the guys who are used to making the decisions, having the answers that were needed. They were often in the way of progress. He said, the people that had the best answers to help the company move forward were the average laborers. He said, if you want to turn a company around, you got to get past the educated and you got to hear what the common folks are saying because they tend to see things that everybody else misses. Now, I want you to think about the church for a moment. In the church, right, we send these guys to seminary and we give them the title minister. And everybody else gets the title laity. I've got the ministry. You are the laity. The common folks. That's all you are. Don't step into my territory because I am the minister. I need to be seen. I mean... I'm forever grateful for my buddy Scott way back when I felt called in the ministry and I didn't understand all this and he used to sing, to Mike be the glory, great things he has done. (laughs) 
No, but it's fascinating what the Word of God says. The, the, the Word of God says that it is He, it is Christ Himself who gave some to be appointed, watch these titles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. What did He give them for? For the equipping of the saints. Who are they? The common folks. For what? For the work of what? The ministry for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. God is saying right there in the passage that the best answers will be found in common people finding their place of ministry with the people with the degrees and understanding, equipping, equipping them to do that very thing and then getting out of their way. That's what we see right here, right? So it says your purpose isn't getting up and going to your job. Your purpose isn't making it to retirement. Your purpose isn't just having kids or, or doing what you do, those things that getting the vacation this year. You have a higher calling, and your purpose is to recognize God has given you a place of ministry and you walking that out. And so I hear people say, well, I can't pray. Can I tell you the best prayers the most powerful prayers are often the least eloquent prayers can i tell you that i listen john maxwell maybe many of you know that name okay uh i've had the opportunity of being with him in a variety of settings and so one year we had a youth conference 10 to 12,000 teenagers and he was brought there to hit the home run at the final inning right he was to give an altar call to allow teenagers to respond to a call to vocational ministry, full-time ministry. And I'll tell you what, this guy who is never lacking for words got to the pulpit and he couldn't say anything. Worst sermon he ever preached. The only thing he got out was, if God is calling you to vocational full-time ministry, then we want you to respond. We want you to come forward. Huge arena. The altar was packed. Every bit of floor space, way, the, the floor space went beyond this, this space here. The aisles, people were packed to try to get down. In the whole back, people were crowded and they couldn't get down because of the worst sermon ever preached. Who gets the glory for that? God does. I, I, you know, this summer, three or four people had surgeries that I didn't even know about. And when I asked the people, they said, don't you worry, Pastor. My life group took care of me. <laughs> That's the body of Christ in action. I think about this group of folks. They're having dinner at McDonald's every Monday because they're asking the question, how do we share? Yeah, some of those folks are laughing. I mean, McDonald's, McDonald's. You know, when my kids were little, I would drive off the freeway and looking for ways to avoid them seeing the golden arches. <laughs> and then I, I bit the dust because my kids, their taste got so expensive that all I could do is say, how do I get them excited about McDonald's again? <laughs> it wasn't working very well. Yeah, but then I think about Valerie's mother, 92 years old, still mentoring girls. 
<laughs> this amazing lady, still mentoring girls. Uh, she had to give up get, giving kids rides to Sunday school. I understand she still stinks out and gets a few there, right? She was teaching the nursery right up until recently. But this woman has a calling. She has a passion. I'm not asking you to operate on her level. But, man, she is an example of foolish things that God uses to confound the wise. And the call here is that you're in a race. Run your leg of the, leg of the race well. It's it's not about physical fitness. It's not about your age. This is about if you still got a pulse, you're still in the game, and God still wants to use you. Yeah, yeah. And some of you don't want to hear that, so you're saying, I'm not going to amen that. I might actually have to do something. <laughs> Can anybody say amen? amen? You have got a higher purpose. Why is it that so many older folks, sorry, in my life are saying, I feel like I have no purpose? because the whole goal has been financial or it's been survival and you've never done what you need to do in God's kingdom and he's calling you he has a place for you and we want to help you to get there so that's run your leg of the leg of the race the leg of the race well which leads us to the third thing it's all about him anyway look at verse 21 partway through may he work may he work where in us in us, what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's an inside-out work. I love Ephesians 2.10, that um, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance in order that we might walk in them. That includes every one of us. He's working in us to work his purposes out of us and not only that as he's working in us and working out of us he's promised i mean golly my goodness in the church we spend way too much time just trying to survive in our faith and god wants you to know that he started a work in you he started the work and because it's his work he fully intends to complete the work and the reason he wants you to know that is because he wants you to get to work <laughs> instead of getting hung up. And right there, I'm reminded of Pastor George Vokes again. Some of you know him. I mean, if you come here for any length of time, I love to talk about him. He was a Lutheran pastor, Tri-Cities, um, you know, um, What? Minnesota, but also, I mean, what's all that called? Anyway, Tri-Cities is between the two states there. But anyway, you, some of you know where that is. Anyway, a Lutheran church, during the Holy Spirit renewal, the Holy Spirit fell on their church in power, and it just exploded. It exploded. His stories are amazing. And he tells me, if God moves those spiritual babies they, they need their diapers changed, and they cry a lot. And, and he had stories to tell. But that guy came up here, started a, a church called the Church of Joy. He, even though he retired, he didn't want to quit. And he'd always sit right in the front, and he'd always just cheer me on. And after church, he'd come up to me and say, Oh, oh, Mike, 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 Mike. If we had teaching like this when the Holy Spirit was moving, who knows what God would have done, you know? Just, and I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying he was an encourager, right? And I'll never forget, we used to have uh, prayer, Thursday prayer gatherings in his dining room. And then one day, uh, he just couldn't do it anymore, and they moved him to the nursing home over at Good Sam. 
And you know what Pastor George said? Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. I've been given a whole new mission field. And it was all these women. I'd show up for lunch, have lunch with him, table of eight, right? Pastor George, seven women. God was working in him, and the overflow was coming out of him. Yeah. And so I just give glory to God for the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, he's greater than, greater than, greater than anything that will come your way. And because of that, he's able. And, and just to pause and acknowledge, you're greater than this. You're greater, greater than this. I went and saw Christopher Robin, and I highly recommend it. I don't recommend movies. I highly recommend Christopher Robin. So, Pooh says, I love today. He said, yesterday, tomorrow was so far away. And sometimes we feel like that. Am I going to get through today? And I just want you to know, Jesus Christ is greater than. Okay? Secondly, you're in a race. You're in a marathon. And it's all for his glory. Run your leg of the race. Well, not just surviving, but finding your place. Just start stepping out a little bit, you know? And ask the question, Father, is there somebody I can serve today? Just start there. And the third thing, it never was about you anyway. It's an outflow of the greater work that he's pouring into you. It's all about him. He's greater than. So that we just look at it and say, <laughs> I just have to laugh that God would use me. Yeah. What's, what's Tony Evans' wife's name that you guys are listening to? Pris, Priscilla? It's his daughter. What did I say? Priscilla Shire. She is going around right now just saying, I just laugh that God would use me. Thank you, Priscilla. And God will use you. Yeah. I'm going to invite the worship team up.